We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. When COVID wiped out the 2020 minor league season, it was a missed opportunity for Andrew Vaughn to get some development time, at least in Birmingham. After hitting 252 with a 349 on base percentage, and slugged just 411 in 29 games at Winston-Salem, which is high A, there was plenty of chatter on how the White Sox were going to challenge Vaughn with a promotion to double A starting 2020. But obviously, that never happened. Instead, Vaughn spent his time in Schaumburg, getting swings in the White Sox development camp, with other players staying ready in case of a COVID outbreak. White Sox fans didn't see Vaughn in 2020, but heard plenty of how well the 2019 first-round pick was hitting in Schaumburg. Entering 2021, it seemed that Vaughn would be starting the season in Charlotte based on early reports, which meant him completely skipping the AA level, which was a curious thought as other White Sox top prospects did not skip Birmingham. Actually, with how well Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert hit in AA, only gave everyone involved more confidence that they were ready to hit Major League Pitching. Again, the White Sox had plans on being really aggressive with Andrew Vaughn. During spring training, there were rumors about the open DH battle, and Vaughn was seriously being considered for that role. Vaughn was hitting well in camp with two homers and six RBIs, and he was hitting 279 with a 375 on base percentage and slugging 459 in Glendale with 14 strikeouts to eight walks. Maybe Vaughn was the best internal option for the White Sox at DH. Then 
Aloy Jimenez hurt himself trying to rob a homer during spring training. With the White Sox missing one of their premier sluggers for months, now the team had a need for someone to play in left field and try to replace Jimenez's power numbers. In an act of desperation, the White Sox decided to give Yermer Mercedes the DH job and put Vaughn in left field. The problem with this idea is that Vaughn never played left field in the minors or in college. A team with aspirations of making back-to-back postseasons and winning the American League Central had little choice but to play a rookie at a position they haven't played. So the big storyline heading to opening day was watching Vaughn's progress defensively. The bar was already low because it's well known on how bad Jimenez is defensively. Over time, Vaughn proved to be somewhat competent at the position, not embarrassing himself. In 95 games, Vaughn played 720 in a third innings in left field, only committing two errors. He would also move over to right field, where he played 118 innings there, and just 99 innings at first base, which is his natural position. Hell, the White Sox pushed their luck further and had Vaughn play a game at third and second base. Vaughn had negative two defensive runs saved in left field. While that's not great, that's pretty impressive for someone who had never played that position. 15 players in Major League Baseball last season had at least 700 innings in left field, and Vaughn ranked 9th in defensive runs saved and 12th in revised zone rating, which is the proportions of balls hit into a fielder zone that is successfully converted into an out. Vaughn was in league average defensively, but he also wasn't the worst everyday left fielder defensively in baseball. In a way, that was an improvement over Jimenez. Offensively, it was a mixed bag for Vaughn. Again, his professional experience was just 50-plus games in A and high A ball and his time in Schaumburg. Some milestones for Vaughn during the 2021 season. His first RBI was on April 5th against Seattle. His first base hit was the following day as he had a double, but Vaughn's first home run took 24 games into the season. On May 12th, Vaughn hit a two-run shot off Minnesota Twins left-handed starter Jay Happ, helping power the White Sox to a 13-8 victory. At the end of May, Vaughn was hitting 233 with a 325 on-base percentage and slugged 406 in 42 games, or 25% of a full season with four homers and 11 RBIs. With so much thrown at him, it was excusable that Vaughn's best skill, which is his bat, needed some time to adjust against Major League Pitching. June wasn't much better for Vaughn, as he had a month 705 OPS with just three homers and eight RBIs. As the calendar flipped to July, Vaughn finally found his stroke. He had an eight-game hitting streak from July 20th to the 28th and had eight multi-hit games for the month. Vaughn also had his first multi-homer game on July 11th at Baltimore before the All-Star break, where he also drove in four RBIs. In July, Vaughn hit 308 with a 347 on base percentage and slugged 516 with four home runs and 12 RBIs. After the trade deadline, Vaughn had a 258 batting average with a 321 on base percentage and slugging 444. A 765 OPS is pretty good for someone who has never played higher than 
a ball before the season. Vaughn was flirting with a season 800 OPS on August 21st as he headed into St. Petersburg, Florida with a 792 OPS as the White Sox were facing the Tampa Bay Rays. That would be his high watermark for the season. After that game, Vaughn's offensive production dropped off considerably as he began to lose plate appearances to Aloy Jimenez and Gavin Sheets. In August, Vaughn just slugged 375. After September 9th, Vaughn went on the injured list with a back issue, not returning to the White Sox until September 23rd, but he only had four base hits in all of September, and all of them were singles. In six weeks, Vaughn went from a season 792 OPS to finish with a 705 OPS, watching his slugging percentage go from 457 to below 400 at 396. Vaughn got the start in Game 2 of the American League Division Series against Houston facing left-handed starter Framber Valdez, and he went 1-for-4 with two strikeouts. Vaughn also picked up in a bat in Game 3, and making the most of it as he hit a double and would later score in the White Sox lone playoff win. Andrew Vaughn finished his rookie season with 15 homers, hitting 235 with a 309 on base percentage and slug 396, and had a 92 OPS plus, meaning he was 8% below league average offensively. His late swoon sunk his war to just 0.2 on baseball reference and 0.3 on fan graphs. Andrew Vaughn's rookie season was at replacement level. And that type of quadruple-A production from the White Sox rookie, depending on how you feel about Andrew Vaughn, may be excusable as he was thrown into the fire, playing out of position, and again, having barely any time development-wise in the minor leagues. Entering 2022, Vaughn's status with the White Sox is, again, up in the air. There's an opening in right field. If the White Sox feel he can make the move to the other foul line, Jose Abreu is entering the last season of his current deal, and Vaughn was thought to be his replacement when taken third overall in 2019. There's still opportunities to get player appearances at DH as well. Vaughn could be once again heavily involved in the White Sox plans for the 2022 season. Or, after seeing Rick Hahn trade Nick Madrigal, Vaughn could be the White Sox best trade asset to move after the lockout to help improve a roster with World Series aspirations. What's Vaughn's role with the 2022 White Sox? Could he seriously be dealt after the lockout? We'll discuss next after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Joining me to continue the conversation about Andrew Vaughn is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Andrew Vaughn was thrown into the fire this past 2021 season. How would you grade his rookie year? Well, I think you have to give him two grades. One, you know, I I think you have to take into account everything that was asked of him, never playing above a ball, never playing left field in any meaningful way, really only having the alternate training site situation last year to try to get that upper level experience. It could have been a disaster. It could have been, I don't want to say Jacob may bad, but something close to that to where just he doesn't, he struggles to make impact contact. The, the walks and strikeouts while starting out strong eventually gets away from him. And he just really doesn't have a fruitful month or two and they have to send him down to Charlotte and maybe he doesn't come back up. That was always on the table given just the lack of experience and his lack of track record. So I think for him to be playable for most of the season, if not all of it, I think you have to give that guy a B. Now, I, I think if you set that aside and grade him as any major league hitter, you, you pretend he has two years of service time, he has played some outfield, and you're just treating him as a guy you're hoping can provide some power in a corner spot, I think you have to be a lot harsher and grade him, I would say, D plus, C minus, something in that range, just because... Uh, he was really, you know, his performance was slanted against lefties and Tony Larusa tried to limit him to mostly lefties early on. Uh, over the last two months, he faded out and maybe that was fatigue from his first six month season or just the league catching up to him or some combination of the two. But if you set that aside and just, you know, pretend he's done it before, uh, everything asked of him, uh, it wasn't the kind of season they wanted to see from him or were hoping to get from him. So I think that's why I would give him a much harsher grade. So let's break down the his performance that influences these grades. Let's start with his defense first because that was the big story heading into opening day 2021. And that might be still one of the biggest takeaways from Andrew Vaughn because it kind of plays into those who would like the White Sox to be creative with their roster. A college first baseman who never played in the outfield does in the major leagues. So looking at Vaughn's defensive performance in left field compared to the league, how do you think he fared? 
I think he played a pretty conservative left field. When you look at the metrics, the defensive run saved, thinks he's slightly below average. Fangraphs actually thought he was fine in left field, actually a little bit above average. And then when you look at StatCast, outs above average, hates him basically. He says he has one of the worst jumps in the game. And I can believe that. I can kind of believe all three. If you looked at the eye test and maybe watched him for a week at a time, uh, you might not see anything wrong with him. No comical misplays along the lines of Eloy Jimenez or even some other guys. I'm thinking like Nicky Delmonico when he was in left field and learning the ropes. Like he had some really uh, ugly gaffes his first uh, weeks in left and then eventually smoothed out. Vaughn didn't have those real embarrassing flubs out there. So I could see him being within the orbit of average, I would say slightly below versus slightly above. But I can also see uh, when you look at the um, just how aggressive he played, uh, the depth at which he played, the conservative nature of the breaks he took. I think uh, I can see, you know, something like StatCast, which is using, you know, ground covered. I can see that being harsher to him. So I think I would call him below average, but not a liability the way we've seen other liabilities in left field uh, many, many times before. I think he he's playable out there. I think it's I think he played well enough defensively to make the bet what's important. Did he do enough, though, to convince you that he should be playing left field every day for the White Sox? If he hit better, I would say yes. I I think that's what it comes down to for me is that if he were, say, Eloy Jimenez good at the plate or had, like, say, Jimenez's 2020 season, not the injury-altered 2021 season, if you took Jimenez's defense or, or offense from that season and then gave him Vaughn's defense... I think we would have never talked about him being a DH. I think we would have said like, oh, that's fine. It's definitely playable. That doesn't cost extra outs or too many extra bases. He gives up a, you know, maybe lets a single drop in front of him once in a while, but doesn't mess things up the way that Jimenez messed things up at his worst. I, I think when you, when you look at his performance, especially over the last two months, uh, his OPS barely above 700. He washed out to replacement level thereabouts by both measurements. That, that to me means that like the bat needs to come around. There are reasons to like the bat. Despite the lack of upper level experience, he did a pretty good job of managing his walks and strikeouts. It's really more of a matter of just the kind of contact he made in the impact and contact. But, you know, to me, it just, if he starts every day in left field, it either means that he's about to explode. And and last year was basically his upper level experience that he didn't get. Like, you know, perhaps if Vaughn played a ball in his, in 2019, and then we treat 2021 as his Birmingham and Charlotte experience. And he can, you know, it's like, say he had like a 900 something OPS, at double A AA and triple A, he looks like he's ready to start every day. Like maybe you'd look at that guy and say, yeah, give him all the playing time. So that's, I think what I'm wrestling with as I try to evaluate him based on the way he played, you'd like to see him show more before they hand a bat first position to him, you know, as it stands now before the lockout, you know, the, the, the lack of moves addressing the corner outfield spots, the, you know, the, the lack of challengers and Charlotte's, uh, I think that's the way it's looking. And that's really what I'm wrestling with right now. Offensively, Vaughn had his moments, but his performance against right-handed pitching was really poor, but he did smash left-handed pitching. This was our first opportunity to see Vaughn against Major League pitchers. There are many White Sox fans that are still sold that he is going to be a premium bat for the Chicago White Sox for years to come. 
Are you still buying Andrew Vaughn as far as his bat after the first season? Or are you hesitant coming into 2022 based on what you saw in 2021? I guess, you know, entering the season, I think I was more bearish about Vaughn. Like, I was fine with the White Sox blocking him for a year. Like, you know, he's just bringing in a Kyle Schwerber, bringing in a Michael Brantley and saying like, well, there's your bat for DH slash left field. Um, you have Jose Abreu, his future coming up. You have um, you know, left field wondering about Eloy Jimenez, whether he can truly hack it out there. Like, you have ways to get Vaughn in there if uh, he truly forces the picture or forces the issue. Like he can, he can barge into the picture and, and make himself a nuisance. And I'm, I'd be happy to see that. Like, you know, the way you said ball in error during the 2021 season, I said more bats than spots before the <laughs> 2021 season. Like I just want more bats than spots. Like you just, don't make him the opening day DH. Don't make him plan A for DH because he could be terrible. Like he could just be overwhelmed. Like don't ask that of him. And, uh, you know, sure enough, he was the plan A for DH. And then he became plan A in left field as soon as, uh, you know, Eloy Jimenez hung himself, uh, you know, just decided to dangle from the fence. Um, so that's a case where just th that was the reason why I didn't want Vaughn to be the plan A DH because, should something happen elsewhere, he would be all of a sudden a necessity versus a luxury. I wanted him to be in the glass case break of in case of emergency, or maybe he busts himself out and says, use me. Either one would be better than going uh, into the season as plan A. So I was maybe a little bit bearish on him. And I think the way the season played out was better than I thought, but also, uh, I guess... Uh, confirm some of my fears just the way he finished the season and not having a really strong base of performance going into 2021 so I think you know to me I look at the walks and strikeouts and just he never looked overmatched or overwhelmed uh game to game like if you if you just you know looked and dropped in for a game here a game there a week here you'd say like oh he's you know, he's not swinging over stuff. He's not chasing junk. He's not, uh, you know, he's making some firm contact. He's doing okay. Like, uh, I, I think that's fair to say, but just over the last two months, the way like the power disappeared, um, the way the league challenged him with more fastballs, like they just, they went after him more and he wasn't able to, uh, you know, keep up. Um, that's, I, I think where, that's slightly worrisome unless, you know, we're talking about a guy who's just being worn down by his first uh, six month season against the best of the best. And, th and that's where I, I want to cut him some slack and say he's got, uh, you know, he's got a lot more than he showed. And, and I think that could be the case. But, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking you know, kind of more bets than spots still in my is my mindset. Is there enough from 2021 to convince you that the White Sox need to make sure that Andrew Vaughn has a place in their 2022 lineup. Yeah, I, I think, I think if they went in with Vaughn as the everyday left fielder or rotating left fielder with Jimenez, I would say, okay, I, I get it more than I got it last year. So I, I think I'm coming around to it, but I also don't see an emergency if they find a way to say block him. If there's just like a really good deal for like Michael Conforto or Nick Castellanos or just what have you to where all of a sudden, like he might be on the outside looking in, or he doesn't have his choice of position for, uh, 2022. I would say that's fine. Like, uh, just because he 
deserves to fail or not deserves to fail deserves the opportunity to fail he doesn't deserve to fail he's a nice guy <laughs> but he deserves the opportunity to fail and, and to struggle and to not have massive stakes assigned to it i think that's just a lot asked of him and i think he handled it admirably but I remember uh, Dan Simborski in the preseason or, or the, uh, you know, the the early part of the winter when he's talking about the Zips performances and he likened Vaughn to Ben Grieve. And that Grieve was somebody with uh, very little uh, playing time for Oakland in the minors. And I'm looking at his track record. 90, 97 is when he broke in and you know, he played 24 games as a 21-year-old, played a full season in 1998, one rookie of the year. But then he just kind of stagnated from there, kind of fell off. The uh, defense was never good. He was lucky to break uh, two wins above replacement in the season because he was, you know, ugly in left field. And he uh, he saw that guy, he saw that performance, and said it would have been nice if he just had a little bit more time to find himself in the minors. And Vaughn didn't quite get there. As a, uh, he didn't even get to 100 OPS plus, an average OPS. Um, I think it's a lot tougher environment for hitters than it, uh, in, in 2021 than it was in the late 90s. So I think that's makes it, in some cases, even more difficult for a guy like Vaughn to make the jump. So I would be fine if you were in the opening day lineup, but I wouldn't mind if the White Sox had more depth in order to just let him have some time to figure it out uh, and, and not need him to hit, even if a lot of people think he can. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions that I wanted us to to discuss, because I don't think a lot of White Sox fans at this stage is, again, we're in the middle of the lockout. This is January 2022. A lot is going to change the next two to three months. And Within three months' time, we're going to know for sure in which direction the White Sox are going. But I do see the argument from some that if your plan is just for Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets to platoon at DH to start the season, you might as well send Vaughn to Charlotte so he can get bats every single day. Because what 2021 showed is that we know that Andrew Vaughn can smash left-handed pitching. He struggles big time against right-handed pitching. And if he's going to be an a everyday contributor, more than just an everyday contributor, the White Sox really need him in 2023 and beyond to be one of their most productive, productive bats within their lineup, especially if they do not bring back Jose Abreu after the 2022 season. It's just, it's a bit odd to me on the development of Andrew Vaughn when during the rebuild we saw on how patient the White Sox were and pretty much manipulating the service time of Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me and that... And Nick Magical. And Nick Magical. There's a part of me that I do not understand why they are rushing Andrew Vaughn and forcing the issue as much as they have. But again, the circumstances... The White Sox didn't have anybody else within their organization that they could dream on to replace the offensive production lost by Aloy Jimenez when he hurt himself in spring training. So they figured to give that opportunity to Andrew Vaughn, and he was doing all right through July and mid-August, and then his production fell off the cliff, and he struggled throughout September, and his final numbers are his final numbers. So I think he still has the potential, Jim, but I do not think it's out of this world crazy to say maybe the best path for the White Sox, if they do get someone in free agency post-lockout or they get a marquee bat in a trade, and we'll talk about that in a moment, 
I don't think it's out of this mm-hmm. world to suggest that Andrew Vaughn starts 2022 in Charlotte to get everyday reps because what we did learn in 2021, there are going to be injuries. And if that were to be the case to start the season again, well, then White Sox fans should have a lot of confidence because we know that Andrew Vaughn can produce. Yeah, I think that's the difference like between, say, like say they get a Conforto or somebody like that. So they have Jimenez in left, Robert in center, Conforto in right. And then you have Abreu at first, and then DH is open-ended. You know, you can say with Gavin Sheets that we saw him come up through the minors. We saw the very long road that he took and the very steady development he had. And you can maybe look at him and say like, okay, if you want to try to form a DH of prospects, like young guys, if you want to give the uh, promising uh, bats an opportunity in the majors, maybe that's Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets. Maybe that's the two of them going uh, for a platoon situation for a DH because Berger had the reps at the upper levels uh, of the minors. You know, while he didn't have many of them, he had more of them than Vaughn had. Uh, he showed something in the... Uh, in the majors. And so maybe that's your plan a for, for uh, DH when it comes to the service time thing, like with Berger, you're just happy that he's able to perform in the major leagues, whatever he gives you based on his uh, very rocky history and all the, um, you know, the, the, the ruptured Achilles that he had to deal with and, and everything like that. Like I would rather have that pairing for opening day as a DH, if you're going to go with a, a tandem at DH. Um, because as you mentioned, like, you know, Vaughn struggled against righties in the majors and he has no upper level experience in the minors against righties. So if he went to Charlotte's, even though Charlotte's a very, you know, just a laughable place to hit, if you can get the ball elevated, you can still probably get some idea of how he's faring against righties, like how he's faring against righties who, you know, have velocity, how he's faring against uh, pitchers who have a good slider that goes away from him. Uh, those are two pitches he struggled with, you know, from the right side. Like you can get some idea. And if he, you know, if it's like mid-May or mid-June, depending on what constitutes a month and a half with the Meyer League season, depending on what kind of like start to the season they have, if he's like, you know, four or five weeks in and making a mockery of AAA, then fine. You know, bring him back up, uh, have him rotate through, you know, give him that shot, especially like say if Berger is struggling or Sheets isn't doing much. Then I think you have your argument. I think the fear is this. This fear kind of reminds me of Gordon Beckham when he was, a, he was uh, had a rookie, you know, great rookie season, um, then unimpressive rest of it. Like, and they never sent him down. And I was always wondering if they didn't send him down just because they're afraid of what they'd learn. You know, watching him facing upper level pitching that isn't you know elite, but the international league was still a tough place, or you know, more of a pitchers league than a hitters league uh, at that time. Like, just would he have been able to? be special at triple a or would he have been somebody who's like ordinary and then all of a sudden you know everybody panics and so they just try to get him to stick in the majors and he never really recaptured the magic that's something i wonder about if they sent vaughn down at this time like if he struggled at triple a uh, the way that would not have been out of line if he struggled there with an assignment in 2021 uh what do people think how do people react i'm not quite sure so as long as he's like adequate or within adequacy, uh, within reach of it, at the majors, I think that just feels like the more forgiving place for his development versus AAA. Like he better hits is is kind of my thought. Even if you know, like I said, he deserves an opportunity to figure things out and make good permanent adjustments that really you know allow him to damage right-handed pitching. Yeah, because I don't think Andrew Vaughn coming into 2022 is going to make or break the White Sox season. If you drew up the White Sox lineup 
today against a left-handed pitcher, he's still batting the bottom third of the lineup. There, there are other mm-hmm. hitters on this team that the White Sox are going to be more dependent on than Andrew Vaughn. I don't view Andrew Vaughn coming into 2022 a critical piece of the Chicago White Sox. However, 2023 and beyond, if you hold on to Andrew Vaughn, I think that changes, especially if the White Sox decide to not bring back Jose Abreu. And part of this is also dependent on how well Gavin Sheets performs in 2022 to see if that makes Andrew Vaughn expendable. But the idea was in 2019 when the White Sox drafted Andrew Vaughn third overall is that this is the guy who's going to carry the torch at first base and be our number three or number four hitter in the lineup following the footsteps of Jose Abreu and Paul Konerko and Frank Thomas. That was the idea. And after his first season in 2021, again, there are some promising aspects of Andrew Vaughn's game, but he got thrown into left field to fill a need and he did not get any development time at double A or triple A. I think that impacted his ability to hit right-handed pitching in the major leagues. There's going to be a lot of work for him in spring training. If the White Sox have this expectation of, Oh, Andrew Vaughn is for sure going to be on our 26 man roster in 2022. Like he needs to vastly improve against right-handed pitching to play every day, Mm -hmm. or he's just going to be another bench bat in year two with the White Sox. And is that really the best for his development as a player for someone that you're going to be counting on greatly uh, starting in 2023? I'm not sure, Jim. I'm not sure. That's, that's why I keep coming back to the idea of if everyone's healthy breaking camp, I don't think it's crazy to suggest sending Andrew Vaughn to Charlotte so he can play every single day and he could work on facing right-handed pitchers and improve in that aspect of the game, knowing full well that it's probably unlikely the White Sox are going to be fully healthy breaking camp. Mm-hmm. We still may see Andrew Vaughn part of the lineup. Now, the big topic involving Andrew Vaughn, and this is something that gets White Sox fans debating against one another on social media and the comment section of Sox Machine. We saw Rick Hahn trade Nick Magical this past season before the trade deadline. We are still within the lockout, but post-lockout, since the White Sox do not have a great farm system, how likely do you think Rick Hahn would be willing to trade Andrew Vaughn in a possible move that improves this roster's ability of reaching the World Series? I think it's unlikely just because when it comes to what the White Sox are trying to do and what kind of offense they're trying to develop, I think Vaughn checks a lot of those boxes. Like they want somebody who doesn't strike out, but they want somebody who can draw walks and they want somebody who can hit for power and, and get the ball in the air. And he did all those things to one degree or another in a season where he could have been easily overmatched. Like his ground ball rate was only 44%, which isn't bad. Uh, strikeout rate was only 21%, which is fine. Uh, the walk rate uh, was around 9%, which is good. You know, we've certainly seen worse for White Sox rookies. So the ingredients are there. And 
if, you know, I guess I'll introduce this too, because it feels like we're being kind of negative, <laughs> taking a negative tone about Vaughn. So let's, let's, I guess, like just, you know, I'll, I'll throw out the, the optimistic view that's, I think, within reason is that this season that he had just um, allowed him to build his calluses. And now he's going to be able to more or less rake, you know, be, you know hit 290, uh, post no BP like 350, 360, slug approaching 500 because he can hit opposite field homers over the uh, right field bolt, uh, wall and into the craft cave at, at guaranteed right field. Uh, he's somebody who just can, you know, he's smart enough and he's uh, got enough swings and he has enough uh, a knowledge of the strike zone and bat speed to make up for his deficiencies with an off season of concentrated work and understanding how pitchers attacked him. And he's fine. Like, let me throw that out there just because we haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's what, you know, I think is what a lot of people are thinking just because, you know, as I mentioned, his rookie season could have been a disaster and it wasn't. I think he handled himself in a lot of ways admirably, especially when you factor in the positions that he was asked to play, not only left field, but right field and second base as well, which is weird. It was weird seeing him, you know, after the White Sox being so hard and fast with their rules for who gets to play where he was the utility guy. That was strange. So I guess I want to throw that out there and say like, if he can do that, if that's, if that picture is there for him and attainable, then I don't think Rick Hahn trades him um, just because we've seen how hard it is for the White Sox to get guys who can do two of those three things. Like they can, you know, sometimes they're good at getting on base, but they're not great at drawing walks or they're good at uh, hitting for power, but they hit a lot of ground balls as well. Or they, they, they strike out too much. Like it's been a little bit of a whack-a-mole situation when it comes to trying to get a modern offense and, and, and players who can contribute to that modern offense. And I think Vaughn, he's somebody who encapsulates everything you want from a hitter in 2020s baseball. So that's why I think they'd be rel reluctant to uh, trade him. I brought it up before just because, you know, there is that log jam in left field first base or guys masquerading in the corner outfield spot because there are too many first basemen and the White Sox don't have that many players with value and he might have the most value of anybody. So I floated the idea of trading him, but it's hard to imagine Rick Hahn getting rid of that guy when, uh, you know, one, they can solve a corner outfield spot with a free agent theoretically this off season. And then, you know, after next season, you get some answers on who's, uh, you know, who might be able to go. That's why I think when it comes to trading guys, I think, you know, Eloy Jimenez is the one that I think, you know, might be more tradable than Vaughn just because, uh, you know, he does have the power in plate coverage, but he also hits the ball into the ground a lot and gets injured a lot. And maybe they want to trade that guy a year earlier than too late. I think with Vaughn, this would be trading him maybe four years too early if he's able to uh, absorb the lessons from 2021 and really apply them in 2022 the way basically every evaluator thinks he can. A couple of things. One, I would rather see the White Sox trade Gavin Sheets before trading Andrew Vaughn. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about like who would actually, you know, get the juices flowing on the other side. Yeah, I I don't think Gavin Sheets does that. I, I think he's, you know, he would intrigue some people, but I think Vaughn would really, he's the one guy I think, you know, he and Jimenez can unlock top talent from another team. Sure. That, that I could, I do agree with you. I, I definitely do agree with you. If there's a preference on who to trade out of this logjam, I'd rather trade Gavin Sheets before... Andrew Vaughn from a White Sox perspective, because I do, mm -hmm. I, I, I watched a lot of Andrew Vaughn in college. 
leading up to the Major League Baseball draft. And the only thing that I question is just how the White Sox are handling Andrew Vaughn and just throwing him into situations that is not exactly optimal for him, but he does it anyways because he's a great team player. And kudos to Andrew Vaughn for doing so. But you you mentioned Gordon Beckham, and it's not the, the White Sox played Gordon Beckham out of position uh, like they are doing with Andrew Vaughn. They're just they're throwing a lot at Andrew Vaughn with some expectations that he doesn't drown. And I, I think that's a lot for someone, especially what with what happened in the 2020 season. Second, I need you to stop suggesting trading Eloy Jimenez, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would totally trade Andrew Vaughn before Eloy Jimenez. Hmm. Totally would, without hesitation. If someone called up and said, we can make this trade happen, but you got to give up Andrew Vaughn or Eloy Jimenez, I am giving you Andrew Vaughn. Andrew Vaughn, does. I just do not think he's got the power that Eloy Jimenez does. I just, yeah, that's fair. I, I, just, I just don't see it. I Again, I think in his prime, if everything clicks for Andrew Vaughn, he's going to put up similar numbers to Paul Konerko. I, I do believe that. I think Aloy Jimenez has the ability to lead the American League in home runs, which is an aspect of Vaughn's game that I, I think Vaughn could hit 30 homers in a season. I mean, he hit 15 without barely any minor league development in his rookie season. Uh, but Vaughn, I'm sorry, Jimenez hit 31 homers in mm-hmm. his rookie year. Uh, so that's why I would I would trade Vaughn before Jimenez because yeah. you need the power. Uh, so those were just my two things that I wanted to follow up with you on, on on your aspect as far as trading Andrew Vaughn. We can't fully say, no, the White Sox are not going to trade Andrew Vaughn because there was a part of me that was telling folks, no, I don't see Rick Hahn trading Nick Magical. And he did. Mm-hmm. There's always what Rick Hahn is going to feel is the right move to help this upcoming team reach their goal of winning the World Series, one would just have to hope that the the result of that trade, if they were to move Andrew Vaughn, is far better than what they got out of moving Nick Magical. The difference between trading Vaughn and Magical is that the White Sox punched a hole in their roster for this upcoming season in which there are going to be people suggesting that the White Sox can still find their second baseman uh, in free agency or trade. And I am one to believe that Lurie Garcia will be your opening day second baseman based on the free agent contract that they signed him to um, before the lockout. But the White Sox punched a hole in their roster trading away Nick Madrigal. If you trade Andrew Vaughn away, you're not punching a hole in your roster as much. Andrew Vaughn, as you mentioned, is part of this type of logjam of guys that could play left field, first base, and DH for the White Sox. He's He, he mm-hmm. might be more expendable than Nick Madrigal position-wise, but Andrew Vaughn, I think, was going to be a far more valuable hitter than Nick Magical would ever be, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I get that. And and the thing that I think also works in Vaughn's favor, having watched him for a full season, is that you know he he stayed healthy. And when you watch the way he plays, he doesn't seem to you know this feels like a knock on wood thing, but just like 
when you watch Jimenez play, like he ended up in a lot of awkward positions. <laughs> like he just, uh, I, I screenshotted a lot of them, just uh, the positions he ended up in that you wouldn't expect a major league player to find himself in. And sure enough, he's had, you know, a few sizable injuries uh, so far in his minor and major league career. And same thing with, uh, you know, Madrigal, like he just keeps, you know, three of his last four seasons, he's gotten hurt in a significant way. Like Vaughn seems, you know, maybe it's his conservative style of play and the way he doesn't uh, overextend himself or, or kind of knows his limitations in the field, but he seems to play under control and with a, um, I guess, a sureness of foot about him that I think, you know, makes me feel a little bit better about his health than Jimenez. So that's, I think, the one reason why I think, you know, if the White Sox were trading Jimenez, it wouldn't be because they don't believe in the talent. It'd be just more of a matter of like, they just feel like he's never going to stay healthy or keeps finding ways to hurt himself. So that's the case where when I'm, when I'm comparing them Vaughn, like I can see Vaughn staying healthy uh, in a way that Madrigal did not prove he could and maybe prove to the contrary. And same thing with, uh, you know, others on the team. So that's, I think, one thing in Vaughn's favor that I like about him is that he just, he doesn't seem like he exposes his body to risk the way others do. So to wrap up, as far as his play review for Andrew Vaughn, in a couple months, once we get through spring training, and of course we'll see how long spring training is for the 2022 season, post-lockout, as we inch closer to opening day, making guesses now in early January, is Andrew Vaughn, in the White Sox 26-man 20 man roster for opening day? I think so. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm leaning to yes. But when I say that, there's a part of me that generates conflict because that also may tell me the White Sox failed to find a right fielder, mm-hmm. and that makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. It's not Andrew Vaughn's fault. It's the White Sox front office inability to address that position. And I would not feel all that great about the defense in, for the White Sox in right field if their plan is truly just rotating Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, and let's say Adam Engel, depending on how Adam Engel's hamstrings are doing, uh, in right field and DH to start the season. I, I feel like that would be the cheap way to go for the White Sox, not necessarily a World Series or bust move. And again, that's not Andrew Vaughn's fault. His natural position is first base. I would like to see mm-hmm. Andrew Vaughn play first base one day. I'd just be angry that the White Sox front office didn't do enough <laughs> to address a roster hole. So I, I, I think I'm on your side that I'm leaning towards, yes, Vaughn is going to be on the White Sox 26-man roster. And there may be an, another reason why I'm angry about that, but it would not be directly Andrew Vaughn's fault. Yeah. <laughs> if that, yeah, I think it would be, a, you know, I think the ideal situation would be, you know, sign like, say, Michael Conforto to play right field, and then Jimenez is in left, and Vaughn is at DH because they believe in his bat so much. And he'll be at DH, he'll be at first base, he'll be in left field, he'll be in right field. Like, he'll rotate through because he's shown that he can handle random defensive assignments, you know, relatively well. And... If it doesn't work out, if he has another rough start, if he has those lopsided splits between righties and lefties, Gavin Sheets is there, Jake Berger's there. They have a couple other guys who can come in and take uh, the load off. I think that's really the best case scenario for me on the 26-man roster. You know, Vaughn, you know, if Vaughn's on it, I, I think the emergence of Gavin Sheets makes it a bit easier 
to have Vaughn as be a plan A at DH just because Sheets is not a, a terrible plan B no matter what. True. That is true. We finally got into a situation with the White Sox, Jim, that there's enough bats to go around for the most part, that there's actually depth in the lineup that we can have these conversations compared to the conversations we were having (laughs) pre-rebuild, which we saw some really lackluster Mm -hmm. lineups for the White Sox. Like the White Sox really could have used an Andrew Vaughn type of player 2014 through 2016. They really could have. And there'd be no debate whether he'd be on that roster or not. But now in the present with the White Sox Mm -hmm. lineup being as deep as it is, we can have the nuanced conversation of, well, let's also keep in mind Andrew Vaughn's personal development. Is it best for him to sit on the bench and play every other game? Or is it best for him to play every day in AAA? Maybe we'll continue to having that conversation as spring training rolls along. But Jim, thank you so much for hopping on and recapping Andrew Vaughn's rookie season with me. My pleasure. Happy New Year. That will do it for this 2021 Player Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.